Hello, everybody. Hi. <laughs> and welcome to the next episode of Shared Pages Podcast, where we get together and read a book of the month every month that either Ian or I uh, pick. And this month was one of my picks. It was Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki. And um, I, I have to say, this book, I literally picked it on a whim because I wanted something kind of like whimsical, something that had like fairy giant um, vibes. Yeah, Kazuro or, Ishiguro. Or uh, like uh, Piranesi, which was like our first or second book yeah, that yeah. we read for this podcast. And I was delightfully surprised by how much I like this book. Yeah, yeah. This was, like, one of my favorite books that we've read so far. Um, it, um, it, it is a book telling with a, with a moral or, like, a goal, which is, like, to live your life. I was gonna say, we could discuss, after we do the synopsis, what we think the moral of the story essentially is for yeah, this yeah. book because I think it's a really good story. Like yeah, I think it's yeah. a really good uh, sentiment at the end of it. Mm. So, um, but yeah, it it was a very good book. And now, actually, I'm just noticing the cover has like a galaxy or like stars in the background, and then yeah, there's a koi. And I was like, oh yeah, they do talk about the koi in the book, so... Yeah. Um, By necessity, we're gonna have to, like, skip a lot of this book. We usually do breakdowns of, like, characters, plot, but it's dense. It's only 380 yeah. pages, but there's a lot. There's a lot in here, and the writing style is very unique. Um, like, it's a lot more... I, get, I don't really, I don't have that much uh, literary knowledge, so I don't know what it officially would be called, but in my mind, I think of it as freeform, because it's kind of just, like, there's no set boundaries, per se, like, each chapter has a lot of page breaks, and it switches from character to character a lot, depending on what the author was trying to convey in that moment, I suppose. Um, but I don't know if there's, like, an official literary term for that writing style, but it's, like, it's less strict and bound by normal what what I would consider what a normal novel would be written like. I mean I would just call this literary fiction where it's it's fiction that's written so well you don't have to follow rules necessarily because the rest of the book is so strong you will keep believing that this is going to pay off somewhere in the future. Mm -hmm. Where like if a book is kind of poorly paced or the characters aren't fully developed, it like ends up you you lose interest, and then maybe you start skipping paragraphs to get back to the story or whatever. There's nothing like that in this. Yeah. And I do have to say, uh, maybe a bit of a spoiler, but I do like that this book has a happy ending. Or what I would consider a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very interesting ending. Yeah. Um. So I guess we should just get into it. Yeah. So I think the way that I was thinking we would do it is we would just discuss the three main characters... And then just kind of let the conversation take us where we will from there, because yeah. it's kind of all over the place. So, so like, uh, before we even get into the characters, the brief plot of the story is that there's a trans woman named Katrina, a alien from another galaxy or planet fleeing something called the End Plague with their family named Blonde Tra Tran. 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 Yeah. And then Shizuki Shizuka Shizuka Satomi, who is a violin teacher who has sold her soul to a demon. 
in hell, yeah. Yeah, and has to repay the the deal sevenfold in order to earn back the right for her music to be heard again. Yeah. So, like, right off the top, you're like, what the? Yeah, I read <laughs> the summary for this book, and I was like, my god, it sounds just crazy enough to work. Let's <laughs> see what this book has. I was like, I gotta give it a try. Um, so that's how why I ended up picking it, because I was like, it just sounds so crazy. I just gotta see how this fits together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so... So the main, the main, like, the protagonist that you're mostly getting the story through is Katrina. Yeah, I would say Katrina, uh, Nguyen. Yeah. I think that's how you say her name. We looked it up. apologize for pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> but there was a few different ways that it was shown to pronounce, so we're gonna say Nguyen. Um, which is a Vietnamese last name, and yeah, I would say most of the point of view are from Katrina's point of view, mm-hmm. and uh, she is a transgender runaway. I would say, I think she's supposed to be like like 18, Teen, 17, yeah, 18. Just old enough to be an adult. Yeah, like just old enough to be considered an adult so that her parents like didn't come looking for her when she ran away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she is a violinist. And she was never, like, properly trained because when she first picked up a violin, she was essentially, like, a violin prodigy. But because she was born a man, her father did not like that she played violin because he thought that it made her gay. Yeah. The father is just abusive in general, like... There's almost nothing redeemable about this man in this book. Yeah, he's pretty horrible. Like, and he he never. I'm glad he never gets a redemption arc because honestly, I hate stories like that where they're like, "But the dad is honestly not that bad of a guy," and I'm like, "No, he's like pretty terrible. I don't want him to have a redemption arc." The one thing I will say about that, what what I will say about the dad never getting a redemption arc is that the book humanizes everybody, Mm. including things that aren't human, like aliens. So, I think at some point, you would have to, if the book had been longer, you would have had to, had some kind of, not even reconciliation, but attention to why is the father like this. Mm. It doesn't make it better. It's just, like, the understanding of him. I think he's the character that is the most disservice in the book. I don't know about that. Because <laughs> even the mom, who is not who is not very helpful, when, when they're talking on the phone at the end, and secretly, they are, like, trying to be understanding to some extent. But then the father wakes up and becomes, you know, like, everything changes again. Um, so even the mother gets some attention to, like, they're not completely a villain. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's, that's weird, because I did not get the re- same read on the mom. I was like, she's still a pretty horrible person. The mom? Well, because I think it's implied that the mom is abused as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why she's whispering on the phone. Right. Um, and so that, like, the mother is understanding that they're both abused, but in the way that people can't run away from abuse sometimes, because they're, you know, they're psychologically or physically trapped. Mm -hmm. So once, when they're talking to Katrina, they are, like, in on it. You know, they're like, I understand why you ran away, it's not that, like, like, and I, I, like, I'm trying to reach out to you, maybe we can work together. And then the dad wakes up and they're immediately back to, like, this. Um, so I'm not saying the dad needs to be made into a good guy. It's just that, like, there could have been some kind of background on him. Because everyone else has it. Maybe. Um, I will say, um, 
I don't know that I agree with that necessarily, but I do think that a big part of this book is that they work to, they do work to try and like, the idea of understanding other people is a big part of the book. Yeah. Like just trying to understand. Um, and I think that's part of the reason that like Katrina, she runs away and she basically like, she doesn't really have anywhere to go. She doesn't really have anybody that understands her because she is transgender, a transgender youth. And she goes to other people in the LGBT community who are supposed to be like, uh, obviously you would assume to be more receptive, right? But it turns out they are actually just as bad as the, not, I, I would argue just as bad as her parents. Yeah. Like, they they don't really understand her as a transgender, even though some of them might be, like, gay or... Well, I think it also... It seemed to me that they had come from mostly white. loving families. White, loving Privileged. families. So, yeah. like, like, yeah, they're LGBT, uh, but they've never, from their the people who are supposed to protect you the most, experienced what Katrina experienced. Also, they... Uh, the author does a good job of showing how, like, even within your own community, there can be microaggressions against you. Like, when she goes to stay with her friends, air quotes, from the LGBT community, and they are making, like, anti-Asian comments. Yeah. And, like, she's obviously Asian. Well, she's Asian, Mexican, and... Or, I can't remember exactly. There was three, I think. It's, like, Vietnamese, Mexican, and something else. Um, but they, like, make comments about, uh, like, the Asian community at large, and obviously Katrina is hurt by this, but she knows she can't really say anything, she doesn't she have just, anywhere else to go. Yeah, at the time. Um, and so, so, anyway, the point of this is to say that her whole life, nobody's really understood her, but she makes it a habit of understanding other people so that she can, like, kind of foresee if somebody is going to, like, hurt her. Mm-hmm. And when she's, like, completely lost at her low point, she goes to the park and she has her violin and she starts playing. Yep. And that is when the second character of the book, Shizuka Satomi, kind of comes into play. Although I think you do get, actually, the book starts from Shizuka's point of view. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be skipping around. Yeah, yeah. Just because the book is told non-linearly. But I think this kind of makes sense to go to this character yeah, next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... But Shizuka is in the park, and she is essentially, she's like an older um, woman. I think she's in her 70s, but she looks like she's in her, like, 40s or something. Yeah. And she's, like, a renowned violin teacher who was, like, once famous herself, but you can't find any of her work anymore in existence. But she, just to give a brief overview of her character story has made a deal with a demon from hell to deliver seven seven violinist souls to hell in order for her to essentially pick up playing music again and become famous like she was before. Yeah. And so far at the beginning of the book, she's delivered six of seven and she's at in her last year of her contract to this demon and she has to find one more person. But she just, like, hasn't been able to find a student. Yeah, and they they discuss... What I find really interesting about the demon is they discuss how hell can grant power, it can grant, like, 
ability, but it can't create talent. It can't. Mm-hmm. It can't generate music. It can't art or hell cannot make art. Mm-hmm. So they rely on people like Satomi to find art for them, which they then torture and do yeah. whatever. <laughs> so Suzuka is in the park. At the same park that Katrina ends up being in as she's playing her violin. And she's just like, I don't know. I don't know if I can find this student. And then she hears Katrina, or I think I'm getting mixed, it mixed up. Does she see Katrina and then see the violin case and she, then she plays the music first? She sees Katrina and then, yeah, she sees Katrina. Katrina's feeding the ducks. And then they start talking because Shizuka doesn't want to come up immediately and be like, hey, kid, nice violin. <laughs> um, and so then they start talking, uh, and Katrina plays something and is like, I've never been formally trained. Well, I can't remember who plays first, either Shizuka or Katrina in that instance, but eventually Katrina does end up playing, and Shizuka hears it, and I feel like in this moment, like I said, Katrina has not felt understood like her whole life. Yeah. And through music is kind of where they find that understanding because it's like kind of stated that the ability that Katrina has as a musician is not just that she can play music well, but she can like invoke emotions in her listeners as she's playing. And so that happens with her and Shizuka. And so Shizuka's like, you're going to be my next student. Yeah. And the violin is very specifically chosen because the violin is an instrument that is kind of re- like revered in music. Like all instruments are important, but violins kind of are discussed in general as being like closest to the human voice. Like you, when you play like a violin solo, it's like a scream or like it can be delicate and like you can, it's, it's what the, person playing the violin interprets and it's like a human voice in song. Yeah, which they do also talk about that a lot in this book, about how the violin is acting as a voice for these violinists, basically. (laughs) Um, But I think they do talk about that in the book, about how, you know, the violin is in their opinion like the most perfect instrument because it it doesn't rely on breath. So, like, you don't have to pause to, like, breathe, and you can continuously play. And then I think it was, like, uh, the piano just doesn't have, like, the same sound as the violin could do. So, like, the violin is is superior. And the violin, or a piano, like, you can hit the key gently and it will make a plink, like a gentle plinking sound. Mm -hmm. And you can hit the key hard and it will make a loud sound. But you can only do so much between that. Yeah. Where, like, with a violin, you can get really... Really pianissimo or really fortissimo. Uh-huh. And that's another thing. They use a lot of violin terms in this book. Honestly, it kind of felt like when I'm reading a sci-fi book, they could have just been saying anything, and I'd just be like, okay, yeah, sure, that's like a violin term. Um, but I'm sure all of it, it sounds like the person who wrote, it sounds like uh, Rika Aoki really loves violin. because well, I, I was going to say it's the opposite for me, because I was like, I read music, and I was like, aha. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I'm in on the joke. So anyway, um Yeah, they link up at the they 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 meet, but they don't immediately like bond. Yes. Well, I was going to say I, w- I was kind of kind of skip forward to say eventually 
Katrina does end up going to stay with. Yeah. Uh, they get fed up with the people they're staying with who should yeah. be protecting them, and they leave. And they kind of find their courage a little bit, and uh, uh, Satomi has given Katrina their card the first time they met, so that's how they re- reunite. And uh, and Katrina ends up like living with Shizuka, and essentially like, and also Shizuka has a housekeeper named Astrid. I'll just mention because she might come up every once in a while. Yeah. But Astrid is essentially the best housekeeper in existence. <laughs> I wish I yeah. had her. Yeah, she just makes delicious meals every day and is like super nice and kind. And essentially, Katrina kind of gets her first feeling of being somewhere where people just like value. Her for being alive. Yeah, like, being in like, the space is okay. <laughs> they don't demand anything from her. They're just like, yeah, eat breakfast. And then they're like, I, I literally just want to teach you violin. And Katrina's like, okay, I mean, I want to learn violin, but, like, why are you doing this? And Which, like, this is, like, okay, so clearly, Satomi, who needs another soul to sell to hell, is grooming Katrina. Mm-hmm. This is where, like, you know, eventually this comes out, we'll get there. But I didn't understand why Katrina was so forgiving of this. Like, I know they've never had a safe place before, so it's kind of implied that, like, just the payoff of having, like, a year of safety was worth it for them. Mm -hmm. But this almost seems worse than the father to me, because the father never pretended to care. And Satomi is like, haha, I'm taking care of you. Uh, I just got you. You're going to help me. So what I want to say is, I think the difference is, is that Shizuka... Never once misgendered Katrina. Shizuka saw Katrina for who she was. Like, Shizuka was never mad at her for anything that she, like, caught her doing. She was always, like, very understanding. If she did mess up, she didn't get, like, overly defensive. And she was just like, oh, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I didn't think about that. Uh, Obviously, you would be self-conscious about your hands. Uh, My bad. Yeah. And I think it was more than just, like, more than Katrina having, like, a safe place, but also that she felt understood for the first time. This is, like, to me, I would rather know if someone is racist. I would rather them come straight out and tell me than have someone secretly be doing stuff behind the scenes, because that's where the danger lies. Suzuka's not a racist. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Oh. Like, you know, like, if I had a friend and, like, they pretended to be not racist their whole life, but then they secretly came out later and said something like that. This is the same thing as Shizuka being, like, I'm taking care of you, and behind the scenes, I'm actually gonna sell your soul to hell. I guess so, but I would also argue that Shizuka, at one point, Katrina just flat out asks her, like, what do you want from me? And Shizuka's like, okay, you know what, you're right, there is something I want from you, but I'm not gonna ask you right now. If that's okay with you, I'm going to tell you later. And Katrina's like, okay, I'll I'll let you tell me later. And then later, Shizuka does tell her. And I mean, honestly, like, I don't know. I didn't think it was that bad because I was like, she's being upfront with Katrina. And she's like not misleading her in any way. So. The thing about betrayal never comes from the front. (laughs) Um, so anyway... The, that's two of the characters. Yeah. So they're working together to try and learn how to play the violin. And then there's a third character, yeah, which is this Lon is where it Tran. gets really crazy. So there is a starship captain named Lon Tran, who is a refugee from a galactic empire thousands of light years away. 
and she has brought her family to our planet in order to build a Stargate here as an excuse to escape the collapsing empire that she came from. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, on top of this whole other plotline, there's this plotline that's happening in this book. Yeah, the donut shop is called the Stargate with two R's. Um, they have a pretty extensive family, including a, a sentient AI that is a daughter. Yeah. 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 Um, that Lon made, because uh, she's like a genius scientist. Um, and the way that Lon comes into this is on that same fateful day where Shizuka and Katrina meet in the park. Before she goes to the park, uh, Shizuka was kind of just driving around in a daze because she couldn't find a student, and she ended up at this donut shop. Because that is, of course, where uh, Lon Tran ended up. Was at a donut shop? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, like, kind of their cover story. While they're on Earth, is there a family that runs a donut shop? And she comes in because she has to use the restroom. And essentially, I would argue that Lon and Shizuka have a moment of, like, love at first sight. Yeah, Like, much. they see each other and they're just like, oh my god, who is that beautiful creature? <laughs> like, I think they both, without knowing it, like, because... Shizuka is human, but in a weird way. Like in the way a human with demon powers. Yeah, like when when it it would be like if we saw an elf, you know, like that we'd be like, okay, that's a humanoid thing, but they're a thousand years old, so they act weird. Mm. I think Shizuka has something, some kind of inhumanness about them because they're old, and then Lon is obviously not human, so they kind of recognize that between each other and then bond. And I wonder too because I always talk about how Shizuka wears sunglasses all the time so I wonder if like you could tell when you like look in her eyes or something like so there's something about her eyes they never explicitly say because when they look in Lon's eyes they talk about seeing stars. Yeah they see stars in in Lon's eyes. And so Lon um, and Shizuka kind of meet up and they are just kind of, like, have this instant attraction to each other. So Shizuka kind of just keeps stopping by the donut shop every few days to say hi. And Lon is essentially like, I can't get distracted with this kind of stuff. I am a starship captain, and I have a duty to my crew. And her crew is all of her kids. Yeah, they're like, Mom, her, get laid. And her, uh, uh not her sister, her aunt. aunt so, um, and... So, but eventually they do end up kind of dating, I guess? They have, like, they come up with a routine. Yeah. Where they, like, go to the duck pond and they feed donuts to the ducks together. Or they'll just go out to eat somewhere that Shizuka has picked out. Because it's kind of been noted. So, like, Lon, here's my thoughts on Lon as a character. She's a genius, right? She is a genius alien starship captain. But outside of her scientific genius, she's never really tried to just experience things. Yeah. So she's never ate a meal and been like, why is this meal so delicious? Oh, it's like home cook and it has like, they put in like the secret recipe uh, item and like stuff like that. Or like, why is music so capital? Like she's never like thought about those things on a deeper level. And but she is very intelligent, and so, like, when her and Shizuka have these conversations, she's listening, even though Shizuka doesn't think she is at first. And I think, in a way, that is what Shizuka kind of gives to her. Like, Shizuka kind of opens Lon's eyes about those kinds of things. Yeah, and I think that's also um, a benefit of Astrid. Like, Astrid, to me, they're... they're 
character isn't really about that they're a caretaker, which is, like, an important aspect of them. But, like, they're always like, oh, the aubergines are in season, I'm gonna make something delicious with them. They're, like, experiencing life in the moment. Mm -hmm. And always, like, it's not that they're not proactive, but it's that they're like, this thing has gone wrong. This is the thing I can do right now to work on it, instead of, like, like, being worried about something you can't change at all. Right. Um, and I think, like, Satomi has kind of picked that up. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, so Lan has this whole thing going, and one more thing to note about her, the reason she fled the Empire is because they are suffering from something called the End Plague. Yeah. Which, they never... I would say they never explicitly really state what the end plug is, but it's essentially everybody gets ennui, is what it sounds like to it, me. Yeah, it, it seems like ennui, which, like, you know, we say ennui is boredom, but it's existential boredom. It's the kind of boredom that will kill you because it leads to nihilism. And it seems that this ennui is more like a concept of, like, ennui infecting a species from the top down. Right. Until everyone's like, nothing matters, so what I want is what matters most. And then, you know, it leads to wars or whatever, and the breakdown of society. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So, I'm trying to think of where to go next, because yeah. there's so much stuff in this book. Well, like I think we just stick with Katrina and fill in stuff in between. Because Katrina is the main character, mostly. Okay. Well, then the next thing I, I guess that I'll bring up is that, so Katrina has this violin yeah. that she purchased from online. and It's at, Chinese? It's Chinese, and essentially at some point, um, her old roommates, before she moves over to Suzuka, they sell it to a pawn shop to get money for weed or something? I don't know. Yeah, something I think stupid. Something dumb, um, and they ha end up having to go and get it back and Lon comes with them to help but and then Shizuka essentially terrifies the guy to just giving the violin back. back I guess um and I was which I was like damn that's pretty can you imagine being Katrina and having these two powerful Asian <laughs> women be like being like you better give her that fucking violin yeah. and she's just like oh damn somebody's actually like standing up for yeah. what I you know like uh, I thought that was a great scene um but anyway um, they get the violin back, but it's, like, kind of damaged. So they take it to, uh, another... I guess she's a side character. Uh, Lucy Mattia. Lucia? Is that how you say it? Uh, Lucia Martia? Matia. Matia, yeah. Because they're... Well, they think... I thought... When I first met them, I thought they were Mexican. And uh -huh. then it comes out that they're Italian. Uh-huh. Which, so, like, I, I think the Italian pronunciation of it is Lucia, but I'm not, Lucia. Uh, I'm not sure. But they call her Lucy yeah. a lot. Um, but essentially, she comes from a long line of violin repair uh, people. What are they called? There's an official There's name for it. There's a term. Oh. Luthier? Yeah, I think yeah. that's what they are Luthier. called. Uh, I might be pronouncing that wrong, sorry. Uh, but yeah, and essentially... But it's Mattia and sons, so yeah. it's supposed to be passed down to only men in her family, and that was, like, a big thing, is her grandpa, or her father, was the last male Mattia that ran the shop, and her brothers were like, we don't want this job, so they kind of, like, fucked off, and then it turns out she has, like, the talent for, like, fixing the violin, so she kind of is keeping it running, 
But she's just keeping it running the whole time, thinking she's going to pass it down to her son. Yeah. She's just like... Who is also kind of uninterested. He is also kind of uninterested. And I I don't know how old he was, if they ever stated it, but I think he was like... I I imagine him as like 12 or something. Oh, I thought he was like late high school. Oh, late high school. So like 15, 16, maybe. Because he's like old enough to go out and like bring food back and stuff. Yeah. In, uh... Is that... Where the hell are they? California. California, but was it San Francisco? San Diego? I think they're in a suburb near San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah, I think yeah. they're I think they're somewhere near there, is yeah. the impression I got. I can't remember exactly. They're in the San Gabriel Valley, which I don't yeah. know enough about geography to know where that is, so Yeah. Um but yeah. They um Okay, anyway, they're just kind of a minor character but, in the sense that any character in this could be a minor character. Yeah. Uh, but they go and they take Katrina's violin there to get repaired. And at first, Lucy is like, oh, I can't do it. We don't have any men to, like, do big jobs like this anymore. And Shizuka's like, but you're here, aren't you? And she's like, yeah. And then Shizuka's like, all right, the job is yours. And Lucy's like, what? <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Shizuka's old, older than they look. So they knew the father and it seems like the grandfather. Yeah. Um. So they're just like, I know you can do this do it, and they leave. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then they just leave, not really giving her a choice, so she kind of takes it. Yeah. And I like the way that they they just, I don't know, the way they describe the violins in this book is just so good, because like, Lu- Lucy is not a violinist, but because of her talent, she can like hear the voice of the violin and know how to make adjustments to make their voice what it needs to be, essentially. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you listened to this. I, I think I sent it to you once, but there's a podcast called This Is Love. Mm-hmm. And th- in Italy, there is a museum of violins, essentially, that, because uh, every violin is super unique if you really listen to them. Um, and it's basically a museum where they keep these, like, legendary violins, and they try to record each note of them individually in, like, the highest fidelity possible, and the microphones they use are so sensitive that, like, whole the whole community will agree to, like, not drive cars, trains won't pass through, um, stuff like that, and so, like, this is, it's really cool how much they, they get into, like, violins being an instrument where, like, you know, a cheap violin and an expensive violin sound make the same sounds, but do not sound the same. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. So, so she, so Lucy is working on that violin. So in the meantime, Shizuka is trying to teach Katrina, and she's trying to figure out how do I teach this student yeah. because her previous six students, from my understanding, were all kind of like pretentious, self-centered, already a little bit uh, pompous, like they already kind of had a chip on their shoulder. They were already classically trained, so they knew how to like meet all the, I don't know terms again, chords and, you know, how to yeah. do all the the fingering positions and everything where Katrina doesn't really have that because she kind of is self-taught off of YouTube, essentially, and yep. from these like books that she found. Um... Which, people who do that sometimes, are they make really interesting music. Um, a kind of similar example is Django Reinhardt, the guitarist. Mm. He burned, his tent burned down one day, and he only had these three fingers. Mm. And so, when for a long time, when people were listening to recordings of him, they were like, the way he's playing guitar 
doesn't make sense to the way you would learn guitar. But it's because he had to improvise off of what he had. Right. Which is kind of what has happened with Katrina. Right. Um, and so Katrina's, like, learning and, like, playing. And then Shizuka kind of realizes that the way to go about teaching Katrina is just to have her... Because she's like, why can't I get her to do the sheet music right? Like, why can't I get her to get, like, the timing right and stuff? And then she realizes since Katrina mostly learned off of YouTube, that means that she was, like, looking at people's hands as they were trying to play, and that's how she kind of taught herself. So the way that Shizuka teaches her is by, like, her playing, and then Katrina follows along. Yeah. And she was like, I didn't even think of this as a possibility because my other students did not want to do that at all because they were afraid it would make their music sound like my music. Mm -hmm. And they wanted their own distinct sound, so they were, like, against listening to Shizuka play and then learning from that. Yeah. There's Um, a difference in music between being a accompanist and being a, like, a rhythm player. Right. Like, an accompanist will, which is what Astrid is, mm-hmm. um, and they talk about this at some point, is, like, if you are interpreting a piece of music and you decide to, like, pull a note out longer than it's written, the accompanist should understand what you're doing and slow down and match you. Versus, like, a rhythm player who will just read the music and pound along, and the, the soloist has to keep up with them, which is not the way music should be performed. Right. Um. um so they start training... And I'm trying to I'm trying to remember where it goes next. Eventually, her violin does get fixed. Yeah, her violin gets fixed. And they go and pick it up. She names her violin Aubergine, which I thought was kind of cute. Yeah. And then she le- she learns later, she's like, wait, Aubergine? I named my violin Eggplant? Like, she just named it because <laughs> she heard Astrid say Aubergine. And yeah. she was like, I kind of like that name. It sounds fancy. Yeah. And then she's like, wait a second, Aubergine means Eggplant? And I was like, that's funny. <laughs> um... um. Yeah, so the 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 next big thing that probably happens is that they are word gets out that Shizuka Satomi is training a new student. And so everyone's like, we gotta figure out who this student is. Um and Shizuka has kind of come to an understanding that one of the better ways to train Katrina is to let them play video game music, which is, like, kind of looked down upon by the snobs. Also, I, it's, it, well, go ahead. Are you gonna say what I'm about to say, maybe? I don't know. I was just gonna say, they, they talk about the big, uh, video game score that Katrina plays from is Nethertale, which yeah. is essentially under Undertale. Right? Yeah, Undertale. But I guess, I'm guessing they couldn't say Undertale for the book. Yeah. Um, and um, they talk about how the big theme in that game is you can do a no-kill playthrough, yeah, where you, you essentially... It's a peaceful playthrough where you make friends and then you save everybody from There's television. a pacifist playthrough. A pacifist playthrough, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, and so they Katrina gets invited to a competition and Shizuka, who has told Katrina that they won't have to perform in that way, basically is like, I think you should do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's like, I think you should do it. And I, I don't know, I kind of felt like it was because she was like, I think you need to see... That people can, you can go on stage and you're such a good violinist that people can see you as a violinist without having, without you having to be like, I'm transgender or like, you you know, you can just go on stage and people can 
understand you through your music and you can like it. And I think that's why Shizuka wants her to do it. Yeah. Um, um, and the performance goes fine, like better than fine because Shizuka takes the theme from another tale and kind of arranges it to be slightly more classically oriented um, and also better for the style of music Katrina's playing at the time. Mm-hmm. But the announcer at the contest is kind of annoying and making like jokes, being like, I would never come out here in the dress. You're very brave and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Katrina basically goes out there and blows them away with their violin skills. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so like people like applaud and they they, they are so moved by her music and Every time she plays, they kind of go into this little aside where somebody in the audience, usually another character from the book, is having, like, a memory that is being, like, evoked by the the music. And I think at that at that point, it was uh, Lon, maybe, that was having the flashback? And she was thinking about, like, her escaping from, from the Empire yeah. and, like, finding her new home here on this planet. Yeah. Because the way the competition gets kind of set up is that they invite Katrina, and then they know that Katrina has connections to Lon, so in order to blackmail Katrina into doing it, they they invite Lon's donut shop to sell donuts there and provide, provide the refreshments, and then Lon, who has heard about it first, sends them a note being like, thank you for the recommendation for this. And they're like, God damn it. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta do it now. Yeah. yeah. Also, just as an aside, every time food is talked about in this book, I'm so hungry. Yeah. Like, whenever they went to get bubble tea, or they got, like, the barbecue uh, duck, or, like, the fried duck, or they got the noodle, they went to the noodle house, and they got the I was like, dang, I just could just eat this all day. Yeah. Like, this, this book really is kind of a a love letter to all the little things that can kind of make life great like just eating or just just drinking a delicious Hokkaido milk tea yeah or just listening to like a young girl play a a violin with like all of her heart or just like stuff like that you know well what I think the point of this book is and is that in the way uh, Miyazaki makes Mm -hmm. movies where there's all this fantastical stuff happening, but the real point of the movie is that you have to romanticize your own life. Um, is that, like, you know, the the things that you do are in, them, in of themselves, like, acts of creation. Like, cooking mm-hmm. is an act of creation. Making music is an act of creation. And so it's like an imitation of God. Like you are doing something and making something that hopefully makes people feel better. Right. Yeah. De- definitely. I think that's that's like the big theme. Um. So anyway, I think at this point in the book, I know we're probably skipping over uh, some things. Like a, yeah, a lot. But yeah. like we're just trying to give you the the rundown. Um. I think at this point is at this point in the book. Uh, Katrina finds out about the deal that Satomi uh, or Shizuka wants her to make for mm-hmm. her soul. But the problem is uh, with all of her other students it was easy because she was like what do you want in exchange? And the students are like I want fame like I want to be like amazing and then like yeah I'll give you my soul if you just give me this essentially. Mm-hmm. And she's like alright deal. And then she like asks Katrina like what would you want? And Katrina's like I don't know. 
I, I, I'm I ha- pretty I happy have, now. She's like, I have everything I want right now. Like, yeah. I'm just staying here with you. And then Shizuka's like, okay, well, like, you don't have to decide right now. We have time. I could just keep training you. And Katrina's like, all right. <laughs> so they don't make the deal. Yeah. But Katrina is aware of it. Um, um, but yeah, you know, in between this, like, the, there's, there's the first competition and then there's the second competition. And I don't really think we're skipping too much that series, except that at one point, Lon's son, Marcus, who their mother and their family have been continually insulted by rich, boho, uh... Racist. Yeah, racist. Um, goes out and just murders these two kids. Yeah. Just cold-blooded. And when that happens, Lon, like, panics because she thinks he has the end plague because he essentially... Okay, there's, like, a lot of stuff that happens that leads up to it, but essentially he looked at the wrong timeline, is what I'm thinking happened, and he thought, like, his father and their home they had come from was, like, destroyed. Yeah. So he essentially gets, like, consumed by this sense of, like, hopelessness and like and then he's just like I'm just going to just kill those racists because like that's something I can do right yeah. now and he, he uh, becomes so nihilistic and I think this is like an early onset symptom of what they call the end plague mm-hmm. like when you're so nihilistic you don't you I think it's good to be hedonistic to a certain extent like you should seek out things that make you happy mm-hmm. um but, like, he becomes so nihilistic that he's like, well, what's going to make me happy right now? Killing these two people who have been mean to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that happens, and Lon is like, I gotta send you back. Like, you can't stay here because you'll give everybody on this planet the end plague, essentially. And, which is, it's interesting that they think of it as contagious like that, which I guess in a way it is, but... I, I don't know. It was just really interesting. Well, um, this is something I found interesting because I was thinking about this with Twitter. And they talk about how Earth's communication network is like more so advanced, advanced than yeah. even like aliens' communication Because all we care about is social media. <laughs> well, so here's the thing, right? Like, I think if you have a higher up who becomes nihilistic, if, if like the president became super nihilistic, and then that worked its way down through his cabinet and through you know, the rest of the higher-up people. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have a way to know what was happening from the bottom up. Like, right. we would have no way of counteracting that. But because on Earth, people can be like, I feel despondent and depressed. Maybe I'm going to hurt myself. Someone might see that, and someone from the other side can counteract that mm-hmm. very quickly because you can contact them immediately. Whereas, like, it seems like on Lawn Planet, they couldn't do that. True, yeah. Um, and then also, before we get into the the end game, yeah. I just will mention an, one more side character, which is Shirley, which we had talk- yeah. we had mentioned before, but Shirley is Lon's daughter, who essentially was, uh, I think she was going to be the eldest daughter, but she was stillborn. Still so what Lon did, because she's like a genius uh, computer programmer, is she like took the matrix of Shirley's brain and, like, copied it into a computer and then made it so that the computer system would grow up at the speed that, like, a normal kid would grow up. And so Shirley is, like, this... I imagined her as, like, kind of the same age as Katrina, like, 17 or 18. Computer program child that, for all intents and purposes, is alive because she comes from, like, a brain scan and then grew up. 
Yeah. As a normal and kid, essentially. She has her own thoughts. Like, she she will make decisions that change things. Like, she doesn't only listen and then do what is told to be done. Yeah. And, essentially, Lon orders Shirley to, like, go with Marcus because she's like, I can just store you in the computer and then we'll put a self-destruct in the inside of you, and I'll just, like, duplicate a copy of you. And Shirley gets upset by this, yeah. because she's like, you're just gonna duplicate me? Like, just imagine if I was like, don't worry, I'll just make a duplicate of you, Ian, and I'm gonna send you, though. You might die, but your duplicate won't be here, so it's fine. So, like, Shirley gets upset, and she actually runs away to Shizuka and um, Katrina's house, because... They, uh, another thing we skipped over, they made a studio for Katrina yeah, there, where she can music. essentially project herself into that studio. So she goes there to run away, and um, essentially it's a moment where, like, Shizuka's the one that was selling all these kids' souls to hell, but she ends up being the one to, like, talk to Lon and be like, that's your daughter. Yeah. You can't do that to her. And Lon is like, okay, I see, maybe I misunderstood you, Shizuka. You actually do have compassion for children. Yeah. Sorry I was about to duplicate my daughter and send her with a self-destruct button. That's that's not very smart of me. Um so but after that incident, Shirley and Katrina kind of become really close. Yeah, they basically become sisters. And the only reason I wanted to mention that incident is because because of that incident, Shirley and Katrina do get really close. And before the final big competition, essentially they force this announcement saying, putting out there that Katrina is transgender. And then all people, all these people go back and find her older videos and comment about how much like, Oh, she's like, she's, well, they don't say she, they like misgender her. They're like, Oh, disgusting. Kill it. Like just hurtful anti uh, trans comments that people are leaving. And Shirley is like very upset by this. She's like, "Why can why are people so mad about you just like existing?" And uh, Katrina's like, "I don't know. That's just how it's always been." And Shirley offers to. She's like, "We have the technology. I could just change your body to be who you are inside already." Essentially, she's like, "We have that technology." And Katrina is like in her mind. She's like, "I won't deny. Ever since I found out about their technology, I've like." thought about asking them to do that for me mm-hmm. but I just think it's important because in that moment Katrina's like no I would have to relearn the violin like if my hands were smaller if I was my shoulders were less broad if I like like I would have to relearn and I don't want to like I want to do well at this final yeah. competition essentially so she ends up turning her down but saying like ask me next summer and maybe I'll say yes mm-hmm. essentially but I thought that was important for her character, because like yeah. she's like she's putting her music uh, first, essentially. Yeah, um, um, we did skip over. So the demon that Shizuka sold her soul to is in this book, in and out. And they they usually they're just talking, they're being kind of vaguely creepy. They don't really do anything. But what they're the one who organizes this tournament that outs Katrina, Katrina. as trans, um, and for- basically forces them to enter it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the way Shizuka seals the, the deal with the the demon is that they use this horse dogwood dogwood bow string for the violin or bow, I guess bow. the string is different. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so 
the night before the competition, they show up in Katrina's dream and they're like, hey, go steal the the string or the bow. Um, how the heck do they motivate them enough to do it? Because Katrina doesn't know at that point that Shizuka's time is almost up. Right, and that right. she And it, that if she doesn't make this deal, Shizuka's going to get dragged to hell and die horribly. Mm. So the demon is essentially like, you are so selfish, Katrina. You are just taking all this love that Shizuka has for you, not even realizing. She's, and I think the demon's like, you must have suspected deep down that yeah. Shizuka would be sacrificing herself for you. And you are so selfish because you did nothing. And so Katrina's like, well, I mean, I love Miss Satomi, so I can't let her go to hell for me. So the demon essentially convinces her to take the bowstring and do give her soul as the final yeah. sacrifice. Um, so she um, steals the bowstring, yes. goes up and plays... I, I, I don't know if you've ever listened to it, but it's a I piece, have to listen to it. It's, it's a piece, it's Bartok's, uh, solo sonata for violin. Yes. Um, it's really incredible, but like, it's something that I think, like, you can't put on and walk away and, like, make dinner while you're listening to it. Like, the first time, I think you really need to, like, sit down mm. and listen. I did want to listen to it. Yeah. It's on Spotify. Yeah. Um, but so she plays this, like, incredibly difficult violin piece. Um, thinking that the violin, the the bowstring is giving her the ability to, like, move all these people and not be judged by these classically trained people. Yeah. Um, uh, and everyone's, like, like, after she plays, she, like, bows, no one claps. She bows again, no one claps. And then all of a sudden, everyone bursts in. It's, like, thunderous applause. Yeah, like, like, she's played a piece of music so beautiful, it stuns them in the silence. Yeah. Um, and then she's, like, well, time to go to hell. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to hell. But then it turns out Shizuka, that crafty queen of hell, she knew that Katrina was probably going to do that, so she switched the bows yep. so that the bow that Katrina used was actually not the cursed one, and her music was just good because she was an amazing violinist. Yeah. And essentially, the demon is like, what the fuck? Yeah. And Shizuka just kind of is like, I tricked you and he's like, god damn it, Shizuka and he's like, I'm coming for your soul at midnight. Yep. And then he like disappears in the burst of flames. Yes. Um, so they spend that evening together, kind of like eating and enjoying each other's company. Playing music. music. Yeah. And then at midnight the demon comes. And the demon's like, alright Shizuka, let's go. I'm gonna enjoy this. And he goes to like essentially transport her to hell, but at the same time that he goes to do that, Lon Tran, the starship captain, uses a teleportation device to move them onto her spaceship. Yeah. And essentially they kind of figured out a loophole that the demons are kind of on Earth only. Our Earth only. So in my mind, they're they're just like another species that exists or something. Because he <laughs> says there's nowhere in creation you can hide. Right. But then they realize that like one of the aspects of Shizuka's deal was that their music would disappear. Like it wouldn't be able to be found anywhere on the internet. Except that the aliens, when coming to Earth, found recordings of it that had been broadcast off of Earth, because Earth is radiating sounds. Yeah, so they realized if they could get far enough away from Earth, essentially the demons wouldn't be able to touch Suzuka. Mm -hmm. And, just to wrap it all up nicely, too... Lon, after spending her time with Shizuka, like, eating that good food, going to, you know, just enjoying, like, the weather, and, uh, 
listening to music and learning about like how to enjoy those things, she kind of realizes, wow, there is a cure to the end plague. And I think Shizuka's music could be like a key part of that. Yeah. So essentially she's like, all right, Shizuka, ready to go travel the stars. And your music is going to like bring hope to all these alien races that we're going to go see. And so they, that's essentially, they leave earth and they're like, we're just going to set out to do that. Like that's their end goal. Um, and then Katrina ends up staying with Astrid at the house and essentially having an amazing career. Like, her videos are getting, like, millions of views. Um... She has a sister, Shirley, now. Yeah, she has Shirley, the 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 holographic AI. AI that's essentially, like, her best friend and sister now. Um, the family that run the rest of Lon's family that works at the donut shop essentially is like settling into a happy life on like Earth. They started attending Earth school. They started. They started attending Earth school. Their like donut shop is do. They're doing well. They're like learning how to make like all these recipes and stuff. And then, um, just as a final wrap up point, that um, uh, that I thought was kind of cool was how. Um, for Lucy Mattia, the mm-hmm. woman who worked on the violin, she gets visited by Tremon at the end, yeah, essentially to repair the cursed bow for him, which she does, and it's, like, perfect. And she's like, you gotta pay me, and he's like, I'm gonna pay you with the story, and he essentially tells her the story of her ancestors, where they were renowned for making violins, but... Um, they had always forbidden the women from making the violins, but at one point during the Black Death, as all of their family was dying, all the men in the family were like, I just want to live, and the woman in the family was like, I just want the talent of my family to go on. So they essentially were granted that by heaven is what they say yeah. god god essentially gave them that skill but it would only be passed down through the women in the family mm-hmm. so she essentially learns she's been told this isn't a job for women this isn't a job for women and then this demon is like actually every single violin your family has ever made or worked on was made by a woman but they said it was a man because yeah. of stupid misogyny mm-hmm. and she's like damn all right, well, I guess I'm going to make amazing violins now. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's just kind of how they wrapped up that story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's yeah. it. They kind of like sail off into space. Everybody has a pretty happy ending, except for the demon, I guess, but he seems fine about it. Yeah, he's, he's like, I got, I, he's like, I still got six souls for one. So that's yeah. a pretty good deal, even though I didn't get the seventh soul. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it was just a really good book. The only book I can really think of that's similar to it is Hank Green's um, An Absolutely Remarkable Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just... I it, For me, it's a four, uh, a four out of five. It would have been higher. I just felt like the last hundred pages dragged a bit. Uh, see, and I actually... I remember you saying that, so I was reading it. I was waiting... Um, for it to, like, feel that way to me, but I actually thought it wrapped up nicely. I think I all it. the plot points are fine. It just, like, like, there was stuff in there that just kind of felt like, like, fluff mm. sometimes. And, like, I was like, it could have, like, like 30-ish pages maybe could have been taken out of this. And it wasn't, like, bad. I was just like, yeah, I'm ready for the end now. <laughs> okay. 
I, I do have a quote that I took a picture of. There was a lot of good quotes There's in this book, first of all. But I don't want to go through all of them, so I'll just have this one that I took. And when it's when Shizuka is teaching Katrina how to do the bar talk or bar talks. Bar talk. Bar talk. Um and yeah, and uh, essentially saying like. Even though Katrina doesn't have, like, the classical training, she's essentially trained herself by, like, through her life experiences. And so it says, uh, Shizuko would guide her, let her feel human, no matter how she might doubt. Let her feel old and broken, let her feel childish and naive. There was no need to be perfectly beautiful, nor immortal, nor untouchable. After all, none of that was needed to write a poem or to sing a song. Mm -hmm. And... I, there, I don't know, there's, like, a lot of quotes like that in this book. Yeah, And yeah. it's just, it, essentially, my thought is, well, I mean, the my interpretation of it was that, the, like I said, this book is about how you can find happiness through things that you create, and how you can find understanding through things that you create, and how, by doing that, you... Kind of find your place. Yeah. In the world. It's, I mean, this book is absurdism, but I don't want to say like watered down, but in a non philosophical text. Mm. You know, absurdism is the, the, the knowledge that you are going to die and it's inevitable, but the value of life is by trying to figure out why you exist every day until you eventually do die. Mm -hmm. And that's what these people do throughout the story. Yeah. But it's it's more like if if you know I was like if you wanted to read something to deepen your understanding of this, I would say go to Albert Camus. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um I did also like when they did the announcement for the final competition and they were like transgendered activists or whatever yeah. and Shizuka was like Why'd you even have to put that in there? She's, like, an amazing violinist. You don't even have to put that in there to, like, appreciate her. Like, you just, you know. Yeah. And which I think is, like, a, a common concern in the LGBT community and stuff like that. Um, but just, any, like, anyway, I loved all those moments. I loved all the moments between Shizuka and Katrina, where Shizuka is just, like, care so careful with her and trying to be understanding and... um. I, I really like this book. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's probably my favorite of the ones we've read so far. I think I would probably give this, like, an 8 out of 10. Yeah. It's, like, very unique. It's it's very different. It, it does a lot with, like, the emotions of the characters and, like, helping you understand their motivations and things yeah, like yeah. that. And, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So next month, which will be November, we are going to go real big, Stephen King. Um, his new book, Fairy Tale, which I've just been wanting to read for a while. I, I bought it, I just haven't had time to sit down and read it, so I was like, why not make it the book of the month? Um, I don't know too much about this book, except that there's, like, a... Uh, the main character is this boy who has befriended a man who owns, like, a, a cabin, like a rundown shack, and he... The man, I believe, passes away and, like, leaves the cabin to the boy, and the boy goes through this cabin and ends up in this weird fantasy world. Which, it sounds interesting. So, it's Stephen King, which is your favorite author? He's one of or my Or one of your favorite authors? Yeah. Um, and I've only read two Stephen King's books, and they were both massive books. Well, this one looks massive, too. Um, which was It and The Stand, but those are both older books, too. I mean, this is, I guess this isn't as big as those other ones. Yeah, I know. Um, 
And I have never read a modern Stephen King book, so yeah. this will be interesting seeing the writing difference between yeah. those so yeah, I'm excited to read it. Um, yeah. Follow us on Shared Page Pod on Twitter. Um, we also recorded this episode, so I can make shorts of it. So you'll probably see these on Twitter or TikTok. And we'll see you next month. Yeah.